Welcome to the Living Hope Church audio podcast. Join us weekly as Pastor Jeff Myers shares from God's Word. If you'd like more information about Living Hope Church of Dixon, California, please visit our website at livinghopedixon.com. So we are uh, re- get, uh, repeating. I, was, I don't know why I said repeating. We're not repeating anything. We, well, we're, we'll probably repeat a little bit, but we are uh, getting uh, moving a step forward in our series, LHC DNA, where we're kind of looking at the DNA of our church. What makes us us? What makes what gives Living Hope its flavor? And, uh, and so we've been kind of going over what is our mission as a church? What are our core values? I just want to review real quickly uh, what we've talked about. Our mission as a church is glory to God. Hope to people. Thank you. Say it with me again. Glory to God, hope to people. Glory to God, hope to people. So that is our mission. We're going to do everything we can to bring the maximum amount of glory to God in everything we, we, we do and also uh, offer people as much of the hope of the gospel as we possibly can. And so that is our guiding statement. If it doesn't meet that criteria, then we don't do it as a church. If, we're not, if, it, if, if you bring an idea to the, you know, to the church and say, we should do this, and it doesn't glorify God, it doesn't give anybody any hope, we're just going to say, you know, bless you on your way, go do it yourself, because that's not what we're about. And so um, that, that's, that's fine. I'm not, not saying it's not a good idea. I'm just saying it's not a living hope idea. And so we're, glory to God, hope to people. That's what we're about. Now, dial down further into who we are uh, we've got these value statements, these core value statements. And so real quickly, our first one was we're going to pursue an intimate relationship with God because he pursues us. Our second one was we recognize the Bible as God's word to us and the final authority for our lives. Nothing's going to come before that. We are going to push all of our you know, members here towards a, a place in their life where they can make that statement that, yes, God's word is the final authority for my life. Value number three, we're an honest-to-goodness family, and we'll love each other, respect each other, and point each other to Jesus, even when it's hard. Value number four, we'll laugh hard, loud, and often. Nothing is more fun than serving God with people you love. Now, last week, we hit values six, uh, five, six, and seven, and they were, we believe it's a sin to make the gospel boring. We'll constantly surprise people with engaging presentations in extraordinary, unexpected environments. We want to do everything we can to make the gospel as accessible as possible. For so many years, the church has kind of placed the message of Jesus Christ up on the top shelf in the clouds where it's hard for the you know, everyday person to kind of reach and comprehend. We're bringing it down out of the clouds and off the top shelf, putting it down at ground level. We want to make it accessible. We want to make it fun. We want to make it interesting. And we'll do anything that we can to do that. Now, that does not mean we water it down. That does not mean we preach a feel-good gospel. Anybody who has, uh, I was talking to somebody this week, I don't remember who it was, that said, uh, they told somebody they went to Living Hope and they, and they said, uh, oh, you go to that feel-good church. And, uh, and I was like, as opposed to what, a feel-bad church? <laughs> what is that all about? So now it, uh, if you think we preach a feel-good gospel here, you have not been paying attention. I do everything I can to treat you guys like crap every day of the week. And so... <laughs> Uh, it is not a feel-good gospel at all. It is all about, we just, we just put it out there and, and uh, whatever it is, it is. And nor, you know, normally, the, I don't know about you, but the gospel usually hits me right between the eyes pretty hard and, uh, it, and, and doesn't always leave me feeling good. It leaves me feeling drawn closer to Christ and challenged 
which ultimately leaves me feeling good, but in the moment, sometimes it's not so good. Anyway, I don't know. That was, a, that, was a, that was all for free. Okay, so value number six. Uh, we'll do anything short of sin to reach people who don't know Christ. To reach people no one is reaching, we'll have to do things no one is doing. And then, oh, and we were talking to my small group this week about, you know, beyond the larger group, what can you as an individual living hoper do and be doing to reach people that no one else is reaching, to do things that no one else is doing? What does that look like for you as an individual? And I think it just means that when you start talking Jesus stuff with your friends or coworkers or whoever, family members, you uh, present it in such a way that you're just real, real. I've seen people so many times over the years that as soon as they, I mean, they're, you know, they're normal everyday people, uh, you know, as faulty as all get out. And then, and then as soon as they t- start talking Jesus, all of a sudden it's like, oh, excuse me, put the halo on, and they start talking totally different, like totally, completely different. And I'm saying just keep it real. None of us are perfect. We say around here, no perfect people allowed. None of us are perfect. We all have stuff that we're working through. We all have temptations that we struggle with. We all have imperfect families that we're part of and things like that. That's just real life, and keep it real. You can serve Jesus and be real at the same time. That's what draws people to Christ. Nobody wants to get into a relationship with somebody and hear that they have to be somebody completely different, like foreign to who they are and to what they value just to follow Jesus. Now, you will be different when you start following Jesus, but you'll still be real. And that's the, the and by the way, you don't have to present yourself as perfect. That's not the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is Jesus came for imperfect people and that's us. And so just be real. All right. So value number seven, we know the most effective way to make disciples is in personal relationships. And that's true. Get in one-on-one, one-on-two, one-on-three relationships with some people and help them through the gospel. Help them draw closer to Christ. Just open up the word, get in there, dig into it together. It's important. Be intentional about it. Don't pray that it happens accidentally that you start making disciples. We talked about last week that disciple-making, it's a command. It is something that's expected of every single follower of Jesus Christ. If you're not making disciples, you are not living out the faith that you've been called to, plain and simple. You need, to be, you need to be being made by someone else. You need to be being discipled by someone, and you need to be making disciples yourself. And you can do both simultaneously, simultaneously, okay? So today we're going to dive into a, a value that we call lifestyle generosity. Now, some of you immediately heard the word generosity, and you're like, okay, here we go, another sermon about money, and you're like, uh, whatever. This is what you need to hear from me right now. You will never, ever hear me apologize for preaching about generosity, ever. It is too important to our faith for me to uh, hem and haw around it and apologize for it. And this, And you know this. You know this is true. The fact of the matter is... Every single one of us, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you are even a fan of Jesus Christ, every single one of you know that you want Christians to be known for their giving nature, their generosity, their ability to serve others. That's what we're supposed to be about. Am I right? So why would I shy away from preaching that? Why would I apologize for, oh, I'm sorry, we got to talk about you being more generous. That's who we're called to be. That's what we as, as followers of Jesus Christ are called to be. And if it makes you uncomfortable, I, I'm just, go find a different church because there are plenty of stingy churches out there. I'm sure you can find one pretty easily, but we're not going to be one of them. Amen. 
We're not going to be one of them. We're going to be a giving, serving, sacrificing church because that's the, the life that Jesus modeled for us, and that's the life that we've been called to as followers of Jesus Christ. That's who we're going to be. And so when I talk about lifestyle generosity, I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about being a generous person with your entire life, that you give not only financially and sacrifice financially, but you also give of your time. You give of your abilities. You give of the way that you've been blessed and of your resources and everything, that you are just a naturally generous person. And then the Bible talks about generosity being one of our spiritual gifts, and, and, and some of us are you know, some of you are, have just loads of that gift where it's just, it just comes natural for you to be a generous person. It, you, you just, you, you hear of a need and you're automatically thinking, how can I respond to it? How can I meet that? How can I help? How can I, you know, whatever, what resources can I put towards that? You, you just naturally think of that. Some of us are, are not so much that way and we're works in progress and we got to, you know, God is kind of chiseling away at us, trying to work out the rough edges and make, make us a more generous person. But everyone, if you're honest with yourself, don't groan. Every single one of you, if you love Jesus, you know, I do. I, I, I want to be that way. I want to be more generous. I want to, I want to serve my Lord and my community. I want to, you know, I, we want to, that's what we want to be known for. Christians are known for a lot of things. And that's what we want to be known for. Amen? <laughs> really? Amen? Don't let me beg for an amen up here. Come on, get with it. Let's go. So, all right, so we're going we're gonna to spend some time reading the Bible today. I hope you don't mind. And, uh, and when I say read, I mean, we're going to read a lot. We're going to read most of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and all of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And so uh, flip on over to 1 Corinthians. And while you're flipping over to there, I want to read another passage. It's not on the screen. I'm just going to read it to you. It's from Philippians uh, chapter 4. And Paul is closing out his letter to the church in, in Philippi, and he is, he is thanking them for their gifts. Uh, they have been supporting his his. Uh, missions work and, and sending him gifts to, to keep him on the road and that sort of thing. And uh, he's saying, you, you know, he's just so thankful that you revived your concern for me and all that kind of stuff. And, um, but he says this, and it's so, it's just a classic line. I, I want to read it to you. In verse 16 of chapter four, he says, even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. And listen to this, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Okay. Catch that. It's, it's too important to miss. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. And a lot of Bible scholars believe that this was actually a, a fairly common financial saying, a, fi a financial term that was used, uh, you know, kind of thrown around in financial circles back in that day. And they, 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 they tell me that it literally means, uh, or I seek the profit that accrues to your account. I love that. I seek the, not that I'm, not that I, I'm looking so much for the gift that you're giving me, but I seek the profit that accrues to your account when you give that gift. And that's the way the leadership of Living Hope looks at this too. The truth of the matter is we don't need your money. God doesn't need your money. God can do just fine without your money. We can, this church even, we can exist without your money. Now, it, we will transform in a major way if the money shuts off. I'm just going to tell you. We will start meeting in a park or in somebody's home. You will not have paid staff anymore and, and things like that. There will be all kinds of stuff that changes about the way we... But we can still continue to have church, worship God without the money. It will be a sick, unhealthy church, but it can happen. What, we're, we're not so much concerned about the dollars that you give or, or even the time that you serve as much as we are the profit that accrues to your account when you do those things. 
Because we know that when you give and when you serve, you grow spiritually. When we give and when we serve our God that we love, we grow spiritually. We grow closer to him. And almost everybody in this room can probably testify to the fact that it was through some sort of act of serving someone else or serving in the church, through some sort of act of sacrifice, whether it be financial or resource sacrifice or whatever it was, that you experienced a, a lot of spiritual growth in your life, that it increased your faith, it, it helped you step out on faith and stretched you and all kinds of stuff. That's what we seek for you. We will never apologize for wanting you and encouraging you all to grow spiritually. And we know that when you give and when you serve, it produces spiritual growth. Now, it's not the only thing that produces spiritual growth, but it's definitely on the top five, okay? It's definitely up there on the list. And so we want to encourage you to be, again, we want to be known as Christians, known as a church, who are more um, generous. Um, it's important. It's important. So let's dig into this. Um, 1 Corinthians 12. Start with verse 12. Paul is talking. He's, he spends a couple chapters in 1 Corinthians talking about church life. And in this section, he starts talking about uh, the different spiritual gifts and how in this particular church, there was some kind of arguing and bickering going on about whose gifts were more important and, you know, a lot of pride issues going on and things like that. So Paul spent some time talking about um, the gifts uh, that we are all blessed with. The Bible teaches that when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, this Holy Spirit endows you with certain spiritual gifts. And that looks, that for everybody it's different. There's all kinds of different gifts from there's uh, uh, preaching and teaching and there's, there's uh, uh, leadership gifts, there's helps gifts, there's encouragement gifts, compassion gifts, um, there are um, prophecy and uh, uh, tongues and, and um, I mean, just encouragement, all kinds of stuff. There's, there's just tons of different gifts that we are, that we are uh, blessed with, there's shepherding and wisdom and knowledge and all kinds of stuff. So not everybody's gift set is exactly the same. Some of you have you know, two or three gifts over here, and some of you have completely two or three gifts over there, and that's the way we are all made up. And so he uses this analogy of we are all one body, and, and each, of those, each of those gift sets re- represent a different part of the body, but every part is needed, okay? Every part is needed. So let's dig into this. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, start with verse 12. <coughs> For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. And all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye... Where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and on those parts that we, that, of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And listen to this. this is, I find this funny. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, uh, which uh, our more presentable parts do not require. I don't know why I find that funny. I just think it's funny that, that Paul says, uh, uh, he's talking, you know, there are, obviously we have parts of our body that we keep covered up. 
And he makes that analogy somehow with the church. I'm not sure what that means for some of you, but some of you, we, we kind of got to keep covered up. I'm, I don't know what that means. I'm just saying, you have a function, but all right. So I'm not going to say who that is. I'm not going to say who it is. So I'm really not. I'm thinking it, but I'm not saying it. Okay. So, so uh, but God has so composed the body. Uh, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, but there may, uh, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Uh, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles... Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And then he says, and I will show you still a still more excellent way. Okay, we're going to stop there for just a second. So Paul basically teaches that there is this idea that within the church, the body of Christ, we all serve a different function. Every single one of us serve a different function. And when we are all operating together, contributing as God has gifted us, then we make up one healthy, beautiful body. And we are firing on all cylinders and everything is great. But when one of you or a bunch of you decide, you know, I know I've been given these gifts or, or maybe, I don't, maybe you think you don't have a gift and so you're just not even going to try to discover what your gift, gift is, you just kind of lay back. What happens is that we as a church kind of limp and gimp along and we are running around here with you know one leg and half an ear and and we're not functioning the way you know that we have been intended and blessed to function as a church and the truth is that while some of you some of you are you know are are the the other leg that we have trying to do the work of two legs (laughs) some of you are are, are, are the, the one ear that we have trying to hear enough for the two ears. And, and we're, we're all trying to, to, to make this a complete, healthy body. But the fact is, it's not going to be complete and it's not going to be healthy until every Christ follower in this place is contributing in the way that God has gifted them and blessed them to contribute. And I'm going to tell you that when that happens, we see this all the time, and it is beautiful. It just, there's nothing that makes me happier during my week than when someone steps up that um, has a certain gift set and says, I really want to do this. And I can't tell you how many times that this is the exact answer to prayer that we've been praying for. And suddenly, what, you know, what maybe myself or, or, or another leader here at this church was trying to do on their own and keeping all these balls juggling in the air, suddenly we get to hand one of those balls off and it gets done well instead of halfway like we were doing it, and our church just flourishes. It just, it just grows new life, and it's amazing. It's so it's, it's literally like, I, I got to think, it's literally like being blind and suddenly being given your sight. You, you can't help but notice the difference. And it, that's what happens when one of you step up and say, you know what, I, I, I've, been, I've been sitting back. I haven't been using my gifts for God, and I need to be 
contributing. I need to be serving my God, and I need to be serving my church, serving you know, this community that God has placed me in. When you step up and start doing that, our church becomes not only more effective, but more beautiful. More beautiful. And I'm going to tell you, if, if, if we ever got to that place where we had 100% of the people serving in 100% of the ways that they've been gifted with, this church would be an unstoppable force. We would, the gospel would sweep through this community and, and would shock everyone. It would make national news. It would be so powerful. It would be that powerful. Now, I'm, I'm, I will say this, that we as a church, I feel like we're blessed to have the number of people serving that we serve. We currently have, you know, we average, you know, uh, we've been averaging around 180 uh, a, a week. I would say, uh, you know, if everybody was to be here all at once, we probably have somewhere around 300 living hopers, I would guess. But out of that, we have about 120 people that are serving in some way in our church. And that's a great number. I love, I love that. I thank you so much for, for the way that you serve. It's, it's amazing. Some of you are serving often and often and, and hard. Some of you serving, you know, occasionally, maybe once every month or two or whatever. But just the fact that we have out of that overall number, about 120 people that are, that are serving in some way, to me, that's a beautiful thing. But if it was everyone, if it was all of us contributing in the way that God has blessed us and we were actually functioning as a full and complete body, um, again, an unstoppable force is what we'd be. Unstoppable force. So now Paul gives us this teaching on uh, how we are to contribute and our gifts and serving and things like that. But then he ends, ends that chapter with this phrase. He says, um, oh, by the way, let me, I forgot our value there. Value number eight is this. The church does not exist for us. We are the church and we exist for the world. I got to sit on this for a while. I I almost moved past it. Uh, The church does not exist for us. We are the church and we exist for the world. This is critical. That this church, we have to stop thinking about church. Um, Kind of the way most Americans do church, it's very consumeristic. I'm going to go to a church that meets my needs, that uh, makes me feel good, and then when something changes that either a me, that my need is not being met or, or they're saying some things that don't make me happy or whatever, then I'm going to bounce off to another church. And we've got people that bounce church to church to church like every year or whatever, and it's just this very consumeristic kind of greedy attitude towards church. And I'm here to tell you, that's not church. The church is not some sort of organization, some sort of service group that is meant to service you and meet your needs. That's not church. You are the church. The church is not some, again, some organization designed to serve you. You are the church, and you are to serve Jesus and serve this world. That's what church is all about. We are the church. And I want to challenge you. I, I don't know. I don't know where you are in this, um, but I'm, I'm probably preaching to the choir here. But, but just for the sake of saying it, let me say it. If you're that person who tends to think, what can I get out of the church? Would you try to trans- allow the Holy Spirit to transform your thinking into starting to think of how can I contribute? How can I serve? I don't want to go to a church that serves me and meets my needs. I want to go to a church where I can serve, where I can be instrumental in the gospeling of a community. I want to be a part of that church where my gifts are used and that sort of thing. And in that process, a lot of people talk about, well, you know, I'm not being fed or whatever. I'm going to tell you, I've never met the person who was active and, and, and serving in a church that in some way wasn't being fed. 
Now, I'm not, you know, preachers come and go and, 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 you know, you may be around a pastor who, who maybe the messages just aren't clicking with you or whatever, but there is a type of feeding that comes from the Holy Spirit himself when you are active and serving and giving that, that can't be replaced by a preacher. And you need to be, you need to have that in your life. You need to have that in your life. We are the church and we exist for the world. We're the hope of the world. I believe that the local church is the hope of the world, the hope of the world. So Paul says, uh, you know, I'm going to show you a more excellent way. So he gives them this teaching on serving and on their gifts. And basically what he's saying is this, if that wasn't motivation enough for you guys to, to start working together as a church and really contribute and that sort of thing, then, then maybe this angle will, will get you. I'm going I'm to show you even, an even more excellent way. And he goes off into 1 Corinthians 13. Now, some of you immediately know what 1 Corinthians 13 is all about. What do people call it? It's the what chapter? The love chapter. All right? This is where we get God's definition of love uh, through the Apostle Paul. Now, this, ch- this is the chapter that is read um, at uh, almost every wedding, right? I mean, we hear it at weddings all the time. It talks about love, and so we've got to read 1 Corinthians tra- chapter 13. But really, I think that, uh, while I think it's okay to use it in that, in that capacity, I really think what Paul is talking about this is not romance and weddings. He's really talking about the church. The church. He says this. Let me get over here. Um, can I get a beat? All right, there we go. Okay. All right, so, so if, uh, I need more beats than that. There we go. So if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels that have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. A noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. I really like this a lot. Does anybody want to stop? No. <laughs> All right. I, uh, there's my gift right there. So, so this is the thing. If I speak in the tongues of men, but have not, or, or the tongues of angels, and have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. You know what he's saying? He's saying, it really doesn't matter if God has gifted you with tongues and prophecy and teaching and preaching and, and, and wisdom and, and helps and encouragement and compassion and, and whatever other, I mean, it doesn't matter what gifts you've been blessed with. If you don't have love in your heart and love for your God and love for the people around you, Nobody can hear or see anything but your hateful, awful attitude. That's it. And I could stand up there and try to preach my entire sermon banging on that symbol, and you guys wouldn't hear a word I said, because it's all you can think about. You guys know, you guys have been around those people. You know exactly who I'm talking about. You got people in your head right now thinking, I, I know those people. I know those people. They mean well, but I can't stand to be around them because they're just jerks. They're just jerks. Some of you think my pastor is a little bit that way. And, and, uh, and you're probably right on some days. <laughs> you're probably right on some days. That, that's, uh, we can't be that way. If we don't have love, if we come to this whole thing, serving and giving and everything else, and we don't have love, it's a complete waste of our time. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. <laughs> If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and I, uh, if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. 
Here he goes into the definition. Ready? He says this. Now, again, we're talking church. I want you to stop thinking romance for just a second. Some of you are like, that's going to be hard for you to turn it off. Um, But for just a second, I want you to think about this in terms of your relationship with Christ and his church. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they'll pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. So when it comes to our attitude towards Christ and the church, what you bring to the table abilities-wise, what you bring to the table uh, sacrifice-wise, it doesn't amount to anything unless it's coupled with love. And we say it this way in our, in our ninth value statement, that we give up things we love for things we love even more. It's an honor to sacrifice for Christ and his church. It's an honor to sacrifice for Christ and his church. This is why I don't apologize for this kind of message because the truth of the matter is that if you love Jesus and you love his bride, by the way, his bride, the church, you can't love Jesus and hate his bride. You can't love Jesus and mistreat his bride. If you love Jesus and you love the church, then for you to give and to serve, it's not a difficult decision for you at all. For you to sacrifice for something you love, that's not a difficult decision for you at all. My wife, uh, I love her to death. I do. I, I, I love her. I love my kids. And, um, but let me, if I was to go home this afternoon and uh, you know, sit down with Jamie and say, um, babe, I just want you to know I love you. I mean, I love you. I think you're great. You sing so pretty. Uh, gosh, you take care of our kids. You're a decent cook. You're, uh, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm not complaining about my our cooking. Um, you're, you're just amazing. You're, I, I love you. I love being around you. I love, I just, I love hanging out with you. I, I just, I just love you. Um, but here's the deal. I need you to turn over all your, uh, debit cards and credit cards, uh, any cash you have on hand. Um, I'll give you what you need, and, um, you know, I'll give you like 20 bucks a week. How's that? I'd be sleeping on one of your couches tonight, <laughs> right? I'd be sleeping on one of your couches tonight. I, same thing with my kids. If I, tell my, if I look my kids in the face and say, guys, I love you so much, I would take a bullet for you, and they need food or they need clothes and I don't give it to them, that's not love. That's not love. If you love Jesus and you love the church, it will be an easy decision for you 
to sacrifice for them. An easy decision. A no-brainer, so to speak. Why? Because that's what love does. You all know it, right? We talk, you've seen it on mugs and t-shirts and bumper stickers. Love sacrifices. That's what love does. And you can't say that you love Jesus and then say, but I don't love him enough to sacrifice for him. You can't say, I love my church, but I don't love her enough to sacrifice for her. It doesn't work that way. It just doesn't. Now, for some of you, you may be thinking, well, Jeff, that's, that's kind of hard-hitting and, and guilt-laden you know, and everything else. And that's, I'm, not, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm just speaking the truth that you know if you're honest with yourself. Love sacrifices. That's the way it works. And we will, let's go put that last statement up, Isaiah. That last one. We'll give up things we love for things we love even more. There are so many things in my life that I love. I love comic books. Love them. I love the smell of a brand new comic book. I love, uh, you know, going on comic book day. Uh, anybody know which day of the week is comic book day? There you go, right there, Wednesday. And I love comic book day. I love going to pick up the comic books, that sort of thing. You know, I, I just love it. I used to be, when I was a young man, I was, I was, I had a little addiction. I was constantly adding more titles and, and just spending so much money on comic books. And when, then I got married and had kids. And, and you know what? I gave up something I loved for something I loved even more. Something I loved even more. And recently, I've taken on comic books again. It doesn't mean I love them less. It just means, it just means I'm limiting it. I'm keeping it to two comic books a month. That's it. But, um, but I, I give up things I love for things I love even more. You've heard me say this before. We're a tithing family, and many of you are tithing families, but if you don't know, the, the biblical concept of tithing is that you give 10% of what God has blessed you with uh, back to, the Bible calls it the storehouse, the church, okay? We're a tithing family. And that 10%, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be honest with you, it's, it's quite a bit of money. And, and, you know, in terms of our overall budget, that, that's a pretty big check that we write each month. I, if, if, we, if we weren't a tithing family, we could have a, a, a brand new car or a bigger house or maybe a boat or, or whatever, something else that we wanted that, that would, you know, maybe improve the, uh, you know, happiness, quality, whatever of our life. But we give up things we love for things we love even more. That's what faith, that's what love, that's what Christ followers do. Don't tell yourself that you love something and then not be willing to sacrifice for that something. It is no kind of um, husband who will say, I love you to his wife and to his kids and then not give of himself and sacrifice. It is no kind of, well, I'm just going to say this. I'm just going to say it. If you are a living hoper and you say, I love Jesus and I love living hope, um, and you're not sacrificing in some way, you're not you don't really love. You just, you're just a fan. And that's okay. I, I, I'm not trying to, again, not trying to heap guilt on you. We are all at different stages in our spiritual journey. Every one of us have been, if you're that person that, that I just called a fan, every one of us have been where you are. 
Every one of us have been in that stage where we weren't quite ready to sacrifice in that, in that capacity. And we, we recognize you in that stage of your journey, and that's fine. We, we don't hate you. We're not showing you the door or anything like that. But we as a church are going to be constantly um, seeking your spiritual growth. And part of that spiritual growth is if you say you love something, you sacrifice for it. It's a fact of life. It's just a fact of life. Now, the reason I don't apologize for preaching a sermon like this is because I love Jesus, because I love his word, because I genuinely love Living Hope Church. It's not a hard decision for me to make, for me personally, for my family personally, to sacrifice for my Savior and for my church. It's not a hard decision for us at all. Why? Because there are very, I mean, there are very few things in our life that are more important than this church. There's nothing in our life more important than Jesus. And so it just comes natural for us to want to sacrifice for her, for him. And I want to challenge you to, in, in your faith, to have a conversation this week whether it's you know, with God, with your spouse, with yourself, whatever it is, whatever you need to do, but spend some time thinking about this week and just ask this question to God. Ask this question. Jamie and I are going to do it this week too. We're just going to go to God and we're just going to pray, God, is there anything more you're asking me to do? Is there anything more that you require of me? Because I love you, I don't mind sacrificing for you. So if there's any other act of service, if there's any other financial sacrifice or giving up of some of the resources that you've blessed us with or whatever, if there's anything more you require of me, would you please let me know? Because I want to be serving you and serving your bride in such a way that glorifies you and makes myself small. Because what's the Bible say about that? Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will, he will lift you up. He will lift you up. So God, make me low, make yourself big, and, I'll, and use me in whatever capacity you need to use me. I want my lifestyle, my entire lifestyle, to exhibit the kind of generosity, the kind of grace that only comes from you. That only comes from you. You can talk about philanthropists and, you know, people who give, you know, big chunks of money and things like that. But there, when it comes to just the, the normal, everyday follower of Jesus Christ, who is just completely turned over to Jesus, completely submitted to him, completely willing to be used in whatever way he calls them to be used, that kind of philanthropy the world can't compete with. Can't compete with it at all. So I want to challenge you, be a generous people. Strive to be even more generous. For some of you, it'll come natural. For some of you, it's going to require the Holy Spirit to do some work on your hearts. But submit yourself to the Lord and allow him to do that work in your heart. We want to be known as a generous church, as a generous people. We want to be known as a, as a people who puts love into action we want to be known that Living Hope Church is a church that puts love into action. It doesn't just use flowery words and flowery speeches. 
This is a church that genuinely is actively serving and sacrificing for their God and for their church and for their community. That's how we want to be known. That's how we want to be known. Let's pray. Father, we love you. You are so good and your word is so good and sometimes it's so hard. But God, that when, I thank you so much for that definition of love that you give us. God, would you help us to measure up to that definition and, and reshape us into a people who love that way? Um, not only for the people in our life that we care about and love the most, but also for our church, for you. God, if there's any of us in the room that just need some extra transformational work to become the generous serving people that you've called us to be, would you help us? Would you engage us spiritually? Would you speak to our hearts and challenge us and stretch us? God, right now, I, I personally give myself to you over one more time. And I just ask, uh, even, even before I begin to pray this with Jamie this week, I, I just ask right now, God, if there's anything more that you need of me, would you just point it out to me? God, in fact, I ask you, would you please stretch me in ways that make me uncomfortable? God, would you please uh, pull me up into a level of service, God, that, that I can't do um, out of habit, that I can't do out of memory, God, that, but that requires me to stretch and to trust in you? God, I, I want nothing more than for everything about my life and, and for everything about our church, to, to be in such a way that it can only be explained by you. God, do such a work in our hearts and such a work in our church and, and out into this community that the only explanation is that it's an act of God. It's an act of God. Use us in that kind of way. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to serve you. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to sacrifice for you. Thank you so much for sacrificing for us. Thank you for modeling this for us from the beginning. God, you are good and you are holy and you are right and you are just and you are love and you alone are worthy of our praise and it is no problem at all for us to sacrifice for you because you are our everything. You are everything. Draw us closer. Make us more like you, individually and collectively as a church. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.